So this is how Liberty dies. With thunderous applause. It's Nettie, and you're listening to Women of the Wills. This week, we wanted to focus on one of the most beloved characters to come out of Clone Wars, Ahsoka Tano. Woo-woo! Exciting. And I am joined today by uh, Megan, again. Hello. (laughs) And also a very special guest, um, one of my really awesome best friends at school, Claire, who is also a fellow art student. Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And Claire um, is the number one Ahsoka Tano stand that I know personally. So like, she was perfect. You're going to have to live up to that because I don't know anything about it. I mean, I do know stuff about Ahsoka, but you've been hyped up, Claire, so no pressure. Been here since 2008. Yeah, I never doubted how much my grandmother left me after she drove me to three different Toys R Us to find an Ahsoka figure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. We wanted to focus on the evolution of Ahsoka throughout um, basically all the, you know, series of things that she's been in, um, and just really talk about her as a character, and yeah, show our appreciation for this awesome female Jedi. So I wanted to start off with the beginning, of course, we're going to go chronologically, and the first time we see her in Clone Wars is in the Battle of Christophsis, or Christophsis, however you guys pronounce that, and we see her assigned to Anakin Skywalker, this is in the Clone Wars movie that came out, and... But, but it's the best, because <laughs> everyone's all like, oh look, Obi-Wan's new Padawan's here, and then Obi-Wan's like, I didn't ask for a Padawan, and then Ahsoka's like, uh excuse me, Anakin, I'm yours. And he's like, ah, don't touch me, don't touch me. You <laughs> children, you children. He's like, he's like every, every like teenage boy who has to babysit for the first time, like, oh, don't look at me, I don't want to see you. Yeah. How old is he in this now that I'm thinking about it? Anakin? Yeah. Uh, wait, math. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. He was 19 and like, attacked the clones. Yeah, so he's like 20. Twenty one, twenty. Well, but it's probably the beginning of the Clover, so twenty. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, he's pretty much like. And then how's Ahsoka? I don't want this. Fourteen. 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 Mm-hmm. Still older than Rex, guys. Um. <laughs> oh, 
okay, we got to talk about the, okay. Have you, either of you read the um, the novelization of the Clone Wars movie before? Yes. Yeah. No, because it's not canon and I don't have it. Like I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna, no, I'm going to read it. I just don't own it. It's good. It's really cute. And like, okay, because what you just mentioned about Rex being younger than she is, that's like explicitly said in the book. Like they're talking to each other when they first meet and he's like, I'm 10. I'm tall for my age. He literally says that in the book. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh, it's the funniest thing. I'm tall for my age. I'm like, that's a little bit underestimating it, but okay. I see you. I see you. And Ahsoka just accepts that. Yep. Yeah. And so, okay. So Anakin gets her as his Padawan, and they go through this whole movie pretty much just like right. you know each other. <laughs> one another the whole time. Like Anakin, like he's like, I can't get with this. This child is this child is reckless and impulsive, and it's just it's just too much. And Obi like, laughing huh. in the background, like <laughs> <laughs> very like Mister Incredibles. Like I work alone. I don't right. Yeah, it's also like how parents wish for their children to have children that are just like were just like them when they were younger. Like I hope when you have children that they're just like you. So that you get, you know, payback for all this crap that you did when you were younger to me. And that's exactly what Anakin gets to start. Honestly, Obi-Wan in this, I mean, the movie itself, but I mean, the movie itself is peak Obi-Wan. You know when he's all like, oh, let's have tea, Mr. General, sir. Oh, wait, by the way, you're screwed. Um, <laughs> but he's just, he's just like living his best life. He's like, I don't have to worry about Anakin. That's someone else's problem. They can annoy each other over there. I'm going to do my job. Yeah. It is. I, and okay, I I understand that Ahsoka was created to be Anakin's Padawan, but like their relationship right off the bat is one of the most entertaining, enjoyable, perfect things to come out of the Clone Wars and Star Wars, really, because you know that banter that not only is Anakin the exact person Ahsoka needs in a master. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka just like puts Anakin in his place in a good <laughs> positive way. You know, and not in the role of Anakin as the Padawan getting put in his place, but just Anakin learning what it means to be an example. They're both learning from each other. Exactly. And it's just such a cute really like it's just a perfect relationship. They're the best, you know, little sister, big brother of like you know, dream team gonna take over the world, but like do it while yeah. laughing at each other type of thing. So I like their I like their introduction a lot. Oh yeah. And like they end up <laughs> movie, they like they work together. Like Anakin has this plan. It's like we're gonna do this. And then the next shot you see them and they're in a box under on the street, just like hiding in the box. And she's like, This is your plan. <laughs> <laughs> like, so right off the bat, they're already doing stupid stuff that ends up working and saving the day which is literally that's it that's clone wars like the entire yeah, correct so I'm just doing stupid stuff and they're working out and-, and then the rest of the film is objectively dumb like i'm sorry a sick baby hut is like the weirdest thing you could have these characters deal with Pause. I will not accept Rada slander in this house. <laughs> I will not. I'm not slandering it. I'm just saying, in the context of this huge, like, 
getting to know you, coming of age introduction to this character. Let's just make it like they're going to deal with a sick hot lit. That's fine. But like, wouldn't that be sub- such like a subversion of like the whole, like you want Anakin to have this huge, like heroic, like art, this like grand mission that he's got to do. And really what it is, is that you need to take care of your <laughs> sick baby hut. <laughs> That's true. I agree. It just seems a little juvenile sometimes when, you know, Ahsoka's trying to handle him. Like, oh, stinky. You know, it's like a lot of it just seems like not. I mean, I know it's a kid's movie. I know it is. But (laughs) not quite up to the epic heroics we see them take off in the next episode. Right. Which I think is what makes it so funny to me. I don't know. No, it's hilarious. It It really is. But it's also like, if you look at this movie and like think about it in terms of like Anakin's point of view it's horrible (laughs) it's horrible because he has to go back to Tatooine and he has to take care of the son of the gangster oh you were born here weren't you master like yeah and I buried my mother here stop talking (laughs) Ahsoka's like I don't get it what's your problem with this place I don't want to talk about it like okay all the trauma flashbacks all the sand people he killed like yeah like Ahsoka is like quickly learning that there's like definitely more to her master in this movie than what meets the eye. Because he's an angsty butthead. He really is. (laughs) He really is. And they, throughout the movie, like Ahsoka is, okay, so like when she was presented in this movie, like you said, she's like 14, right? Yes. And she's super young. And she is annoying (laughs) but it's refreshing because she's not just like this perfect adolescent character that's out there like you know like not realistic at all like no she's an annoying adolescent you know just like starting to be a teenager kind of thing like trying to figure everything out and she's like yeah like her personality is like wacko pretty much at this point but it works because like that's just that's just how a lot of us were at that age anyway and like personally like around that time when this movie came out like I was really young I was much younger I wasn't 14 and (laughs) I was like I really loved her as a character when I was really little because I know she was even though she was older than me it was like it's hilarious, you know, for, like, a kid to watch that, and, like, you know, they're, they're not really thinking about it, you know, in terms of, like, the way I'm thinking about it now, because, like, that's accurate representation of how you are when you are that age. You're awkward. You're trying too hard. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that, and it's, like, yeah, that works, and I personally thought that that was a really refreshing way to present her um, in the first place, and I know Ashley Eckstein has said, like, a lot about her character being presented that way as well, can we, first of all, quick story. Um, my friend in high school mm-hmm. was the person who dressed up as Ahsoka for photo ops at the premiere of The Clone Wars. Really? I have no idea how that happened. I have pictures of her. I'll send you later. Oh, my God. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm Ahsoka. And I was like, what? what? Um, <laughs> casual. Second, are we, should we talk about Ashley Eckstein now or later? We'll talk about her a little bit later. Okay. Because yeah. that's its own conversation in itself. Um, so we get, and so if you're watching The Clone Wars, the movie, out of context of the actual when it was released, if you're just watching it now, mm-hmm. and you might think, why the heck did they give Anakin Skywalker a Padawan? Um, can I read this little blurb from the this dictionary? 
course. Of course. Um, so Yoda respects Anakin's force abilities, but also worries his emotional attachments will lead him down a dangerous path. By giving him Ahsoka as a Padawan, Yoda hopes Anakin will learn the necessity of letting go. Hmm. Hmm. I, Master Yoda, you are the wisest of us all, but I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> no. Like, okay, if the purpose of giving Anakin Ahsoka was to teach him that, you know, all Padawans must move on. Right. That's not how it works, because, I mean... If you're going to teach Anakin what it means to let go, then, like, you know, fake Obi-Wan's death and send him on another planet or something. But, like, that oh. would be a dramatic, crazy way to do it. That would make more sense than giving him a Padawan. They do that already on top of giving him a Padawan. Well, I guess. But, like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that went spectacularly well for Anakin. Yeah, really but, you know, I, I, I appreciate Yoda's intentions, but of all things, because, you know... Ahsoka and Anakin become so close. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think about just Obi-Wan and Anakin or Padme and Anakin. It's Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and Padme and Anakin. Like, those are his three homes, and you're not about to, like... And especially the way Ahsoka gets, you know, way Anakin loses Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. That's so counterproductive to whole... Let's teach him how to attachments! And it's just, like, stupid. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And the mo- like, we won't spend too much time on the movie because, like, you know, like there's like a whole five seasons worth of Ahsoka. But like, yeah, like definitely by the end of this movie, she's still the same little snippy little thing. But you know, she's like, she's learned a lesson or two, and you know, she keeps learning that. You know, and it's it's a learning process for her the entire time during the Clone Wars that we see her in, and that's really important especially you know for like little kids watching it's like they're learning that you know like growth isn't linear I guess you know like she makes a lot of mistakes but in the end she's able to like you know some able to work them out somehow you know talks to like some like she does it several times like seeks guidance from other people and all this stuff and it's like really because like you don't see this is the first time we see a kid Jedi we don't I haven't seen that yet up until this point. Except for Master Skywalker. <laughs> that doesn't <Sorry>. get... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we haven't seen that yet, that kind of growth yet in Star Wars yet, so that's really cool. Well, uh, and I think a part yeah. of it is also she... She, like, you know, she spends the whole movie trying to prove herself, trying to prove herself, and one of the biggest lessons Anakin teacher, teaches her is you don't need to prove yourself. You need to learn. And she learns a lot of humility that way that doesn't take her character back any steps right um you know there's no there's no telling her to be less or to do less or to be you know anything less than what she is Uh teaches her how to do so with you know an extra level of humility that she didn't come in with and that's important especially for you know the female star wars fans who are watching this kid like she's uh, can I can I can I say badass? I'm gonna say badass. <laughs> I you know it. She's the coolest, and she no one tells her to stop being cool. Exactly, exactly. So, did we have anything more to say about the movie before we moved on? Well, it's just I think it's really important that in 2008 they were like, what if we put in this Padawan for Anakin? That's a girl, and they they could have very easily sent him a boy Padawan, and it would have been almost like 
a similar experience to like Anakin and Obi-Wan and before Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Let's give him another angsty white boy. Yeah. (laughs) And instead they're like, what if we gave him this alien girl? (laughs) Yeah. And we don't see, the only other Jagruta we see in the Jedi Order is Shakti. Um, But she's not, you know, she T-winoid enough that it's relatable. Um, But it's not like, you know, because we, especially because if we consider when I think about making sure that everything is humanoid or like human, I think of the Empire and I think of the First Order when they don't accept other alien species. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been a disservice to the Jedi Order if they had given him anything else other than someone human adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it expands the universe also. Yeah. Much more. Much more. Also, so, she, re- she looks really cool. Yeah. She has cool colors, cool tattoos. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I think, okay, so the next thing chronologically is the malevolence arc that happens with her. And that is when uh, Plo Koon um, is trying to get, I think he's like trying to get help or something. um, And his transmission ends up being lost. And well, because the, the, the weapon gets him Mm -hmm. and gets his, gets his fleet and everyone gets, Everyone's gone except he and his his escape pods. I just watched this. I know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, they're all in the <laughs> <laughs> they're on the escape pods, and they can't get a signal out. And everyone's all like, "Oh no, survivors! No survivors! We can't. There's no reason to go back there." And Obi Wan's all like, "Let's not go back there. There's no point." And Ahsoka's all like, "No, they they could be alive." And everyone's like, "No, no, they're not alive. There's no point." And she's like, "I know they're alive," and she has a very strong attachment to Master Plo. Right, um, because he's the one that found her. Right, and, you know, attachment to Plo. She has a very strong attachment to Plo, which in this case saves Plo's life. Exactly. Um, you know, here in this essay, I will, like, <laughs> we're not going to talk about my opinion on Jedi right now. Uh, um, oh, we'll get there. <laughs> but um, the, and, you know, the clones are all losing it, and then the, the scavenger droids come, and they're trying to, like, totally destroy everyone, and they're trying to take out the last survivors, and... um. Anakin and Ahsoka basically say, okay, we're going to go find them. And they, like, peace out and go to try to find them. And they do. Mm-hmm. And it's Ahsoka taking the initiative and doing something crazy, which if she had any other master wouldn't happen. But since she has Anakin, they are able to go and do something crazy to save Master Plo. Right. And in the episode, she makes, like, it's, like, literally as there, there's, like, a meeting going on with all these, like, military officials and stuff, and the chancellor's in there, too, and she's, like, but wait, you know, we have to go look for them. There has to be survivors. She says that, like, out in the middle, right after Anakin told her, don't speak unless spoken to her when they walked into that uh, meeting, she just starts speaking and, like, literally yelling, like, you know, we have to go find these people, and Anakin, like, takes her out afterwards, and he's just, like, what was that in there, and she's, like, well, we can't just leave them there, and he's, like, we're not going to. We're gonna go look for them. He's like, <laughs> Well, it's not to. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the funniest lesson he teaches her in this episode is that we're going to go do the right thing. We just don't right. have to scream about it first. Like, smile and nod. And then once you're out of the room, go do your crazy sc- scheme because, you know, we're not just going to sit around and do nothing, you dummy. I'm not going to let him go, like, floating around in space. You need to trust me. I will always do the crazy, let's save the people thing. Which seems like a lesson Padme taught him. Because, you know, we're coming off of when Clone Wars happens. Like, right off of Anakin from 
um, Attack of the Clones, where Anakin definitely would have done the same thing and gone and screamed in rooms. Oh, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and now suddenly we have a little bit of diplomatic Anakin. So it's like, there's a little I, bit of growth. I think that may help there. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it, it's almost textbook, like, it's Where are you going? I'm going to go rescue Obi-Wan. And since you yeah. have to stay with me, we're both going to go rescue Obi-Wan. So yeah. mm-hmm. I like that. I never thought of it that way. But definitely that whole, like, mm-hmm, I, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Just doing it over here on Genosis where Obi-Wan is being held captive. Right, mm-hmm. right. And then, like, immediately after this episode when they find him, they... I think R2-D2 or something. There's, like, a search for R2-D2. I think he ends up, like, getting lost or something like that in, like, the middle that's of the... That's not this episode, but yeah. No, that's the next one. Yeah. That's, and, uh, the, that's when yeah. he duels General Grievous. <sighs> While Anakin's in, in another hallway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's... So, speaking of attachment, speaking of attachment... She, Ahsoka, like, okay, so this is when, this is actually a couple episodes later, I, um. Chronologically, yeah. Well, yes, I have my timeline up. Well, it's after Rookies, but yeah, Downfall of a Droid. Um, it's after the episode on the, um, where the clones have the station and they all get attacked by those scary droids. Anyways. (laughs) So, R2 goes missing, gets captured. Anakin's all like, we have to get R2! And everyone's like, dude, it's just a droid. He's like, R2 has never been wiped. R2's, all of his secrets are on there. And everyone's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's such an Anakin thing to do. He loves his droid so much that he just doesn't ever wipe his memory. Mm-hmm. Um, which means, you know, R2 still has footage of their wedding. It's fine. Um, but Then you're thinking, what is the footage that Anakin's really concerned about? <laughs> battle plans? Which one ranks, like, highest in his list of... I mean... <laughs> I, that's to be said. Um, but everyone's like, it's just a droid, dude. And he's like, ah! And I was like, you left his memory intact? And then... So they have to go find him. And then, in the meantime, Ahsoka has this other little astromech, Goldie, she calls, who is literally a spy. Literally a spy. And Ahsoka's like, oh, this droid's fine. Look, he could do whatever we need him to do. And he's like, you know, setting things on fire, breaking things, totally not doing his job. She's like, no, it's fine. She, you know, Ahsoka always sees the best in people. Mm-hmm. And Anakin's all like, uh-uh. Oh, no. Absolutely not. And, you know, in the meantime, 3PO and Padme show up. Yep. So, mm-hmm. not only is his beloved astromech, which, as Sarah and I were saying to each other, we were watching this the other day. He's so freaked out because that's his wife's droid. He can't lose his wife's droid. <laughs> but meanwhile, his wife and his droids show up, also get captured, and they're all like, oh my god, this is all going bad. And they're running around the ship, and then, meanwhile, Grievous is there, but Anakin can't meet Grievous because that's not how this works. So Ahsoka's doing Grievous, Anakin's trying to find R2, and it's just like everything, it's like Anakin in a nutshell. He's mm-hmm. trying to, he lets his Padawan do something crazy because he's off doing something else crazy. And who in their right mind would let their Padawan duel Grievous? Let's let this 14-year-old. Who's only been with me for a couple of weeks. Duel the general of the other army. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, she fire. holds her own. She holds her own. She doesn't die. <laughs> she does. But it's, a, it's very much a. Thinker's one. Everything. 
everything Anakin cares about under one roof, and it's all going wrong. And his his Padawan steps in and takes care of the hard stuff. Right. He's and, the and then Ahsoka is literally doing Grievous. Yeah, and that's because like right after, because he kills all the clones that are right there, and then it's like left to like Rex is the only one alive. He's like on the floor, and Ahsoka's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, parries that away, and it's just like that's where the fight starts. And yeah, like they, she ended up running away technically like you know fleeing which don't blame her for it at yeah, all she's 14 um, and it's grievous yeah, yeah she ends up getting is escaping and remember that the Earth of the sith novel described grievous very aptly as a monster yeah a yeah. monster of flesh and metal who is literally the worst and the most feared thing in the galaxy because he's crazy it's terrifying but that like scene when he grabs her by the throat as like they're in the dark like heart like just stopped <laughs> Ugh, he is terrifying, man. Oh, like, and there's, like, this thing in Battlefront, too, where you can, like, when you play as Grievous, you can do that weird little crawly thing on the floor. And I was playing online the other day, and the person I was dueling, we were, like, in the Spice Mines of Kessel or thing or something like that, and he just comes out of the dark, just like, <laughs> like oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I ended up dying. <laughs> I did not win that one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then... Uh, R3 ends up betraying them and gets, like, thrown off the ship by R2, I think, right? Goldie. Like, so funny. But hey, Anakin gets a nice little I told you so moment. So, yeah, that episode, I love that episode. It's, like, it's just peak what Clone Wars is, you know, chaos, humor, Anakin being dumb, chaos and humor <laughs> and Archie saving the day and um just I, I mean when I said earlier that you know Padme Anakin Obi-Wan and Anakin Ahsoka and Anakin but also Archie and Anakin we can't yep. forget that relationship because you know they're just as much and for those who don't remember in the Attack of the Clones and novelization Padme gave R2 to Anakin as a wedding present and Anakin <laughs> gave her 3PO because those are the only possessions they had <laughs> he was a Jedi who couldn't give her anything, but here's a droid he made, and he's a protocol droid, and that's useful, so have him. Yep. And then Padme's like, I'm a senator, I don't need no astromech droid, here babe, have this. And then, <laughs> that's how that works. Never forget, R2 is from Naboo. Correct. R2 is... No coincidence that R2, Padme, and, R2 and Palpatine all come from the same place. <laughs> R2 is from Naboo, and Palpatine, 3PO is from Tatooine, and it's fine. No coincidence. Almost like, those are important things. Um, so I'm scrolling through the episode list, um, because there are a lot of, a lot of Clone Wars episodes. We're not going to talk about each one, obviously. Um, the, you know, the Siege of Ryloth, um, I don't know, is that what you have up? Yeah, the next one is actually Capture of Viceroy Gunray, where she duels, uh, Ventress. What episode is that? Okay, go continue. Yeah. Oh, wait, but doesn't she duel Ventress in the movie? Okay. No. No. No, they don't meet at all. I don't think they do, because... I'm pretty sure I just watched that. Hold on. I don't think they they? do in the novel. No, in the movie. I I know Obi-Wan does, but I think he's the only one. I'm pretty sure... Hold on. 
Okay, keep talking. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up while you guys talk. Well, anyway, so capture of Viceroy Gunray. Um, the Republic have has captured Viceroy Newt Gunray. Um, Molly is disintegrating right now as we speak. Um, <laughs> then the next. Uh, okay, so there is. Hold on, I'm just seeing. I think they do see. They see each other. Do they duel each other? I'm talking about the Clone Wars movie right now. Yes, we've retracked. Okay, hold on. We've backtracked to the Clone yes. Wars movie. Um, okay. Yep. They do not duel her? They hold on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Used to be eating away. I don't know. Maybe they do. Okay. Never hold mind. on. Okay. Anakin, Anakin does. duels her. Anakin does. And here comes Ahsoka cutting Ahs- droid heads off. Yeah, Ahsoka's taking out droids. Are you also watching it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, right there. Minute 53. Oh, hold on. We just have the clip of the YouTube clip. Oh, <laughs> God, minute 34. Uh, uh, oh. Yeah, but they do? I don't uh, know. I just saw it. Because they're in the same room, but I think she's just getting the droids. Yeah. Focus is on Anakin. Anakin. It seems to be Anakin Adventures, so the main one's fighting. Uh, we are professionals to do research. Hold on. Wait, wait a second. On. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. No, 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 no never mind. No. They, do. Wait, yeah. they do. I told you. They do fight. Okay. I was wrong. <laughs> so they have met before then. Okay. So by this episode, Ahsoka and Ventress have met before. And this is where Ahsoka and Master Luminara are both. Uh, Task to the Tranquility to escort Gunray's ship uh, back to Coruscant. And this is where Ventress comes to pretty much kind of break him out of there. And that's, this is the one that I think it's, um, Luminera ends up being, she isn't, obviously she doesn't die. She gets taken out though for a while there by Ventress and is like unable to fight. For a little while and ahsoka and ventress have like this huge face off in that episode i remember that like very well and it's like so interesting seeing that and like seeing the few times that they end up dueling with each other again and going against each other and then comparing it to the end of the episode uh not the end of the episode the end of the season where ventress is actually helping her well it's important to remember that um yes ventress is older kind of bigger Oh, yeah. But they're both each still apprentices. Uh-huh. And um, every time they meet, it's still just apprentice versus apprentice. Um, and I think they both do a lot of growing in their battles with each other. But Ahsoka definitely, um, you know, has more street creds than anyone um, after, you know, only being a Padawan for how long. And she's already, you know, oh, I've already battled Ventress twice. It's fine. <laughs> like, how many other Padawans can say that? <laughs> but they're, but, you know, they're both learning and they both don't go the path of their typical um apprenticeship they both end up going elsewhere um so i think as a foil she's super important um except her demise is a little bit more tragic than ahsoka's yeah um (laughs) can we do one netty can we record one thing without being sad about dark disciple just one (laughs) i don't think we can (laughs) just one Go ahead. Uh, what I remember from that episode is the guard that ends up betraying them that looks like Prince Charming from Shrek with his blonde hair. Um, oh! 
And why I remember that is because I know I saw like an animated, like, like an AMV and it was, I'm too sexy for my shirt. And I've never forgot that. Um, you know what she's talking about, right? No, I have no idea what she's There's talking about. That's guarding Newt Gunray's cell thing or whatever. And he is actually like the double agent working for the Confederacy of Independent Systems too. You guys know I'm rewatching Clone Wars for a reason. I do not remember <laughs> this. <laughs> he, yeah we've seen them way too many times so. <laughs> never forgot him that's a, okay yeah so yeah see the, where you guys rewatch Clone Wars I rewatch Rebels this is this is not helpful <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so uh creepy guard guy what's his name Pharaoh Pharaoh Argaius yeah Pharaoh Argaius. He's got some similarities to Prince Charming from Shrek. <laughs> Prince Charming from Shrek or um, Jamie Lannister? Pick. No. No. <laughs> no. Looks like Jamie Lannister mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> no. Maybe like maybe like season one, Jamie. <laughs> okay, cloners references aside, what were we talking about? <laughs> okay. Okay. So next up, um, after that, so okay, um, actually. What happens in that episode after after Ahsoka and Ventress uh, kind of duel and uh, Luminara is unable to fight, there, Ventress actually ends up making her escape um, by exploding a bunch of stuff or whatever. And, as, as she does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Ahsoka is like, meanwhile, she's like, wants to go follow her, wants to go find her again and like, you know, finish her off. And Luminara is just like, no. It's <laughs> like, no. Like, it, it, That's a lot of what we see in Luminera. It's just her telling Anakin and Ahsoka, no, guys, no. Like, no. <laughs> right. But at the same time, she ends up disobeying her anyways. Right. No, of course. She goes off to find her. And actually, the two battle Ventress again for a second time. Um, but then she escapes again. Thanks to New Gun, right? Helps you get away. <laughs> so, but yeah, they ended up, because um, it was kind of similar situation in that episode to where, um, like, how Anakin and Obi-Wan, quote-unquote, attempted to duel Dooku in Attack of the Clones. Um, how he's like, you know, don't, you know, rush in and do that. We'll do it together. No, I'm taking him now. That's kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. That would what happened in that episode. And they were... Even though she did escape, they were much more successful together. They both had two hands. Yeah. <laughs> and they both survived, ended up having two hands after the battles. <laughs> really important. Can I, can I random thought? Yeah. Uh-huh. If, if, hypothetical, if this is entirely hypothetical, people, before you freak out, if Ahsoka were a Sith, I would want her to be trained by Ventress. Ooh. Yes. I feel like the two of them together on the same side could... Everyone would die. Totally destroy everything. Yep. Get rid of Dooku. Um, Just yeah, like, oh, Dooku would be gone. Dooku would be absolutely gone. And then they'd be like, torture Anakin. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> um, um, so I think the next um, next episode arc that's really important um, is the arc on Maradun, it's called, where they're with Anakin and Alea Sakura and Ahsoka are all stranded on the little planet with the lemur people on there. The little cute lemur, fuzzy little people. Oh. 
Do you remember that one? Yeah, the ones who are like, we will not fight. And they're like, but we need you to fight. That yeah. One? And also, Anakin is injured in that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm fine. But he's like dying. Yeah. <gasps> he's like incapacitated for an entire episode. And this is where, because um, Alea is talking to uh, Ahsoka at length and like trying to get her to be like, it's uh, this episode is a lot about her teaching her and telling her how she needs to let go, learn to let go of her attachment to her master and stuff like that and it's like at first it seems like kind of almost heartless in a way the way that like she she says it but she keeps talking about it a little bit more Mm -hmm. and relates it to her own experience with her own master um and how she had to learn to let that go as well and it seems like ahsoka is able to kind of find like a balance at the end kind of like understanding of what she means but at the same time willing to you know as long as she can help Anakin in any way that she can and be there for him. Um, and this is also where she also convinces this farm people, little fuzzy lemur things to fight back <laughs> and hold their own against the evil separatist army. And they end up being successful. Um, and it's a interesting episode because there's not really much Anakin in it. I mean, yeah, there is. He's there, but he's also kind of dying. So it's a lot more Ahsoka on her own, um, you know, learning from other people. Because, you know, as a Padawan, you're kind of pretty much stuck to whatever your master's teaching you. Right. Um, I know she has a lot of exposure to Obi-Wan and a lot of exposure to Plo, but, like, not necessarily everyone. Um, and her having these conversations good thing that Anakin was incapacitated so she could take a step back from that but um that's another important part of her growth and everything it's also interesting like on an ideology perspective because Ahsoka's growing up in like wartime and it's very much like this is the war that we're fighting for the good of the galaxy and then you come across this planet that's like we're not fighting because that goes against what we believe in it's also important to remember that the adult jedi now they didn't grow up the way Ahsoka is growing up right now in the middle of war like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that. So her experience is very different from what these adults are telling her. You know, they're telling her how to this and that. But at the same time, they can't really understand where she's coming from because they did not grow up in a similar atmosphere at all. Which I think speaks to the generation yeah. that Clone Wars was meant for because for the majority of their age group, they were speaking to kids that were growing up after 9-11 with the Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq happening. So I think that really like spoke to me because I personally have like relatives that are military. So like that was always the thing. Like it wasn't any direct relatives, but it was like cousins, grandfathers, like uncles and everything. And I think that spoke to like a lot of people to be able to have that experience to relate to someone that was also growing up in a similar where like people were constantly being like deployed. Right. Right. And it shows how things are not the same for one generation as they are for the one prior. And how- well, and, you know, even at face value, it's a very militaristic show. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> um, but, you know, in what they show in the episodes, there's a lot of tactics, there's a lot of, like, military oh. strategy, there's a lot of, like, military lingo and stuff that they could have dumbed down or, you know changed a bit for the sake of children but they don't yeah. mm-hmm. exactly exactly and, and things like casualties in war and 
squads and losing i mean there's an episode where ahsoka loses her squad and like mm-hmm. how like this is a kid's show but they're still showing that um and making it you know more real for kids but it's an important thing right and like the next uh two arcs are like the the battle of ryloth and the blue shadow virus those are two very she's separated from anakin in both of those uh in those episodes and she has to do a lot of stuff on her own in 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 both of those especially in the blue shadow virus because she is this is well we see a lot of anakin in the blue shadow virus one in her relationship to him and vice versa like it you can tell already that anakin the whole attachment thing that you were talking about, Megan, like it's not going to go the way the Jedi wants it to go, especially, <laughs> especially in the blue shadow virus episode. It's like, no. And surprise, let's make Padme almost die. Exactly. <laughs> what could and possibly then, go wrong? And then battle of Ryloth, that's the one where she loses her squad. Where yes. she's making to run on the planet. And she has to take responsibility for her actions. Um, only 14 leading an entire squadron down to a planet like you know that's like a lot that she has to deal with and this is where her friendships come in because rex helps her out a lot in this episode with rex oka i know right (laughs) like he is very mature because you know ages faster and all this junk so it's like he even though they've been in battle wartime for about the same amount of time you know he technically does have a little bit more experience than she does and is helps her out a lot you know especially like the whole like having like coping with like losing your squadron like that's just part of the clones everyday lives and like ahsoka Mm -hmm. has like experienced that but not on this level where it's her responsibility that these people are gone and they're never coming back right yeah and especially in the i think the next one um, next important one was the Battle of Felucia in protecting the archives where Ahsoka gets punished and sent to the archives with Jocasta New. Oh my god, I love that. I love that one so much. It's like, ugh. It's so good. The archives. It, yeah, she gets, like, it's like a reprimand kind of punishment mm-hmm. thing where she's sent to work in the archives for a little while. And she ends up thwarting this plot to break in and take holocrons um by cad bane who's actually infiltrating the stupid cad bane in a stupid hat (laughs) his little cowboy hat that he wears but yeah and like so we see her get punished (laughs) and like you know just like a child she's like you know this is she's gotta have some kind of it, it, it makes her seem young like she's being forced to do all these like crazy big things but then at the at the end of the day, she's just a student getting reprimanded for doing something. Like they 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 the Jedi need to make up their mind whether she's old or young because they're asking her to do so many different things. Right, right, which is very different in a way than than we see Anakin growing up as a Padawan because like he makes very harsh decisions, mm. but there's not a whole lot of consequences that we see at least on screen in terms of the movies. Right. Right. But, like, I mean, he does kind of start a war. Is that a consequence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like... I mean, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like... For him, it's hard, because the consequences would... 
essentially all be separating him from the things he loves, but like he would fight even harder to get that back. Right. So I mean you couldn't I mean you could put Anakin in the library and expect him to help. <laughs> but then he would also probably kill himself because he'd be so bored. <laughs> like Right. And speaking of Anakin again, another episode on him like letting go and like Ahsoka again being put in like a leadership position is the second battle of Geonosis that they're in and when she meets Barris Ophie uh for the first time, who will play a very important role in her life <laughs> later. And in the beginning parts of this episode, um, he doesn't really give her a chance to, I guess, play her own position of commander. And Illuminara kind of sees that, because, you know, Illuminara Bear, Sophie's master, she's there as well. And they see how, they both are seeing how Illuminara and Embarrass interact and they're both much more but yeah and then how well that they interact together uh, versus Anakin and Ahsoka's kind of interactions are much more I, I don't want to say juvenile but I can't think of another they are I mean they yeah. both excel on a things are more simple with Ahsoka and Anakin mm-hmm. they have simple obje- objectives and they have simple ways to do them because that's what makes sense to them. And Anakin was never known for being the wisest of the Jedi scholars. Yeah. Though, so, you know, it's a it's a whole different kind of relationship. Is this the first time that we see like a Padawan to Padawan interaction? I think so. And it's weird because it's it's very much competitive. Mm-hmm. And the but not not in a, oh, I'm better than you sort of way, but like, oh, your master doesn't do that? Oh, yeah. Your yeah. master doesn't do that? Like, makes Ahsoka, like, feel bad about herself. Right. And which, when, when in, in, really, in reality, her, her relationship with Anakin is not any less than that of Luminar and Barris. It's just... They have a different relationship. It's just different. Rather <laughs> whereas Luminar and Barris, it's more... Master and Padawan, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. Lord, it's just that. And the attachment is definitely not there as much, like, at all. Because Luminara was yeah. willing to let Barris die. I it, remember. Are when, we going to get to that? I mean, like. Yeah. When, okay, I watched this a long time ago for the first time. Um, because, like, you know, I, had, I didn't really, like, watch these as they were coming out. I mostly was, like, a few years ago. I started watching them, like, for real. And. I think my brother was seven at the time and he saw that episode and he's just like, what, what, you're going to let her die? That's your student. And he was like, so just like, did not understand. Like, how could you do that? And I'm like, well, and Anakin doesn't understand either. Anakin doesn't understand either. And I'm just like, that's literally, yeah, that's like what's going through his head. Wow. I wonder what, what's Anakin's biggest fault here? Hmm, I have no idea. Yeah. But no, that episode's hard because, they especially because they get trapped doing something that they're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and it's like it all went according to plan until it didn't and you know and luminero just be like that's how it works and anakin's all like you cannot possibly think that that cannot be what's actually crossing your mind right now because 
in his mind, there's no, that that's not the answer. There's, that's never the end. He has lost too much for being only 20 years old to sit there and lose his power or two. And it's really sad to think about that that was the relationship that Ferris had mm-hmm. in consideration to Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship as master and Padawan to think that if it came down to it, Luminera was willing to let her go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes you think, like, that, that okay, that level of attachment that Anakin's displaying is obviously the extreme that the Jedi are like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But is the level Luminera is displaying such the opposite extreme, the proper extreme, that that's part of what sends Barris to the other side? And, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. Luminera had gone after Barris, would she have done all the stuff she does later? Mm, that's a good point. That, yeah. Because if, if she had even a little bit more sense of belonging, maybe she wouldn't have taken those extremes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And yeah, again, we definitely see that play out later. And right after this, the whole brain worms thing happens. You know, uh, no, no. On that one. Like, nope. she has to figure all that out. She has to make all the hard decisions because Varys' mind is also overtaken. So nope, nope. Moment where do I kill this girl? Like, for a while there. And it's horrible. Like, I hate that episode. It's yeah, I'm also a wuss. I personally, love horror movies. Like, big fan. Go to see them. Terrified of brainworms. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrifying. Especially like you know, it's like happening you know to this you know again 14 year old girl having to deal with all this, right? And she ends up solving it and ends up getting out and it ends up being okay. This is like a huge problem that she ends up solving on her own. And this was like the first time. We see her do it in the previous episode to this, but we see her, like, really here, like, sit down, and she's, like, okay, making these hard decisions, but also finding ways around them, like, that don't involve, like, you know, killing, you know, clones, or, like, you know, your best friend, (laughs) or your new best friend, or anything like that, so it's, like, she's already kind of, you can tell she's Anakin's Padawan. Because she's not, you know, just like, I'm going to do this and this problem's going to be solved because this is just how you're supposed to do it. Like, no, she's figuring out other ways, other ways to do it. And again, in the next few episodes that she's in, um, she's also on her own again. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Hunt for Orsang. And with... Uh, Papanoida's daughters, where she mm-hmm. goes off with Rio Chuchi for a while there. Yeah, in those episodes, she's really on her own solving these problems after that, and it's just really important, like, for her character growth that now she's on her own, and she's not always with her master attached at the hip all the time. And she has a chance to kind of, you know, grow on her own. And again, when uh, the whole return of Orsing, when she comes back, when she's sent off with Padme to Alderaan, that whole episode, like, that's all about mistakes and, like, you know, everything like that. Because she has this vision where she thinks Orsing's going to come back. She's like, Orsing's not dead. Because supposedly in the last episode that she was in, Orsing died, right? Mm -hmm. And in this one, she has a vision. She's like, no, she's going to assassinate Padme. And she keeps having these false alarms and the, throughout the whole episode. But what's great about that is Padme never loses confidence in her. And that really helps her grow. Again, female friendships, awesome. And, like, that was the kid that she got to raise, definitely. Padme, Padme, and got to raise Ahsoka. 
and it just that makes you happy every time. Well, and and I and in in a way, Ahsoka got mom and dad like taken from her home world when she was an infant, like taken mm-hmm. to the Jedi Temple where these attachments aren't you know aren't allowed. But then here she gets Anakin and Padme, who granted very reckless role models, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, thinking about the Force of Destiny short, when Anakin and Padme are um, getting ready for a banquet or whatever, and then there's a spy, and then luckily Ahsoka's there, because, did I say Anakin? Ahsoka's there, luckily Ahsoka's there because, you know, they all try to kill Padme, surprise. But it's just like them working together all the time, and that one other short where she's like, you guys make a good team, and then... Because there's no way Ahsoka does not know about Padme and Anakin. She knows. There's no way. And speaking of which, we see, like, uh, some interactions between all three of them at the same time in the other arc where she meets, like, Splinteri. Heroes on both sides. Uh, Okay. Before we talk about these, me and Claire have extremely strong feelings about, like, (laughs) Splinteri. Like... We do. You, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> we love the kid, but like at the same time, he needs a lot of help, and we want to know where he is. Um, okay, so I do want to talk a little bit about these episodes, kind of in depth because they are probably one of the most important um, when it comes to her character growth. So here is on both sides. This is where Ahsoka gets to. There's like a okay. So Padme in the Senate is basically fighting this bill to deregulate uh, the banks to fund the creation of more clones. Mm-hmm. They do not want to create any more clones. Padme's just like, this is just going to fuel the war. This is just going to keep it going. We don't need to be putting our money towards that. We need to be putting our money towards helping our citizens and everything like that. And they end up, Ahsoka and Padme and Anakin are all talking together after a debate that they're having. And Ahsoka's just, like, not understanding, like, all the politics of it at all going on. Like, why is, like, why are we all just, like, talking about it? Why can't you just, like, you know, do something about it? Why can't you talk to the people on the other side about this situation? And she's like, well, that can be seen as, you know, like, treason or anything like that. You know, we're not even allowed to, like, talk to them at all. And Anakin, like, he's just, like you know he's on the opposite side he's just like i don't think we should have to you know do this this or that you know he's like i feel like i feel like the chancellor knows what he's doing you know pretty much like that <laughs> <laughs> he's like and he, padme and ahsoka are just like okay and they end up meeting on their own um and this is where padme gets the idea to do an unsanctioned visit to uh raxis where her mentor mina bonteri that we see in queen's shadow that she meets um, Liz, Mina Bonteri, ex-member of the uh, Republic Senate, um, is now part of the Separatists, and she's there. And her and Padme were friends, and you know she was kind of her mentor before she left um, to join the Republic of Independent uh, Systems. And when they meet again, Ahsoka is extremely confused because she's like, I don't understand and like how can you guys like 
why are you like this? Pretty much is what she's saying. She's like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And what Lux asks her when they meet, when they first meet each other, he's just like, you know, have you ever met a separatist before? Like off the battlefield. And she's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much. It's like, it's the first time that either we see both sides talk to each other and even there's like an interaction between Padme and Mina Bonteri where they're talking and Padme says something about Dooku and she's like oh wait I forgot you actually admire the guy <laughs> and it's like oh uh, it, that, that boundary of politics is like is there between them and at the same time there these two women are able to overcome it and are able to discuss uh, these really important things that the senates on both sides should be doing but they're not um, but it really changes Ahsoka's mind, and I know you probably have something to say on this, so go ahead. <laughs> I just, I think it's phenomenal that they added in the character of Lux, who creates almost, like, another foil to Ahsoka, because they have this boy who's also her age, but on a completely different side of the war, and just his character arc, to me, is very, is fascinating, because you have him as this kid that, like, you think he's going to be like super pretentious because here he is growing up like the son of a former senator. He's obviously living in like a higher luxury versus like Ahsoka who's been raised in like the Jedi temple with very much like a necessity wise based living. Right. Um, And here they are talking. Exactly. Also she's on the battlefield and he's more on the Senate side Mm -hmm. of things, which is really interesting how they parallel and kind of balance each other that way. Also, his name means light, Um, which, I mean, he does eventually, what, what, what did I say? We've talked about that at least. (laughs) I feel like I'm, like, intruding on a fan club meeting or something. Um, We have a lot of feelings about that. If I could ask Dave Filoni, like, one question right now, it would be, where did you put Lux Bonteri? Where's he, where's he gone? Yeah. Um, well, but he does switch sides, and he does, Right. I think he does make Ahsoka ask a lot of questions, um, that could be part of the light, um, he brings things to light. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know how we like to analyze names in this. Well, I also love, too, how they could have very easily set this up as, here's Ahsoka's romantic interest, look, she's older, here's a boy. <laughs> mother and they don't yeah yeah like there's like this like, little awkward mm-hmm. thing you know the whole thing with death watch and like you know like the kiss thing uh, or whatever it's like that. Yeah. but like you know it's it doesn't end up being mm-hmm. like a thing or anything like that and it's like especially with the Andoran arc which is like the next most important mm-hmm. thing I think um besides Mortis Andoran is like Onderon and heroes on both sides are probably the most important Ahsoka arcs. And we can actually go ahead and talk about Onderon because the only thing between that is Mortis. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like in Onderon, Ahsoka's back and she's older and she sees Lux Bonteri again. And this is after they had kind of met up again with the Death Watch thing. Yeah, where Lux tried to join a terrorist group. <laughs> and... Um, that did not happen. Not his finest hour. Not his finest hour. He does end up joining a terrorist group much later. Have you ever um, 
spoiler alert for Battlefront Inferno Squad, um, Lux is actually part of a splinter group from Saw Gerrera's faction. That was too extreme for Saw Gerrera's faction. So, uh, yeah. I really wish you guys could see Claire and Nettie's faces right now. Nettie's doing her, like, hands together, like, this is what I mean. This is, and then Claire's just giggling. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of feelings. But, uh, yeah. So she meets Lux again in this one. And that whole idea of them possibly being, like, this is her love interest is still kind of hanging in the air. But then Stila Guerrero comes in. And she clearly likes the kid. You know, they both, like, you know, kind of, like, have this little thing going on. And they don't focus on it. And I'm glad they don't, because instead of it being, like, this competition between these two girls, you know, it's like, oh, like a love triangle kind of thing. Yeah. It's not. And it's actually really great, because then Ahsoka and Stila, with the short time they have between them, become really good friends. And they learn from each other. And I mean, like you said, it could have very easily been this competitive love triangle, like who's going to be with Lex Bonteri. And it's really like they have this great moment. I think the best moment they have is when Ahsoka steps back and then Lex is able to go and kiss Stila. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and like also like what I, I remember that one specific scene where they're training to, like, learn how to defeat the, the Droidicos thing and, like, slide the bomb underneath the shield. Like, Stila cannot do it. Like, there's just, for some reason, it, like, it won't work for her. So it just, like, storms off and she's, like, sitting by herself. And this is after Ahsoka clearly sees that Stila does have, like, an interest in Lux, is, like, you know, possibly romantically. And Ahsoka herself, like, from the shots that we get and, like, from what we can see of her, she's also obviously very confused as to what she's feeling as well. And this is her just trying to figure out, like, you know, who, like, you know, what is this? Like, I don't understand this feeling. Why am I feeling this way about this certain person? I don't, I don't get it. And we kind of see that interaction between her and Anakin, and Anakin's just kind of like, I understand. <laughs> and, like, in the background, like, you know, just kind of, like, watching them. And he's just, like, not being very helpful, but at the same time, it's like, Ahsoka figures it out on her own. And she goes to Stila, and they help each other. And it's like, I just love that they didn't make it out to what, because like when I first watched these episodes, I thought, oh great, here we have a love triangle. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm one of the few people who exists on this planet who think love triangles should die. I hate the concept of love triangles so much. <laughs> and <laughs> to me, they're obnoxious. But like, there was like so much going on in these episodes. I'm like, are they really going to focus on that? And they didn't. And I was really, I was really pleased that they didn't. And it really, like, on a personal level for me, helped me a lot to see that growing up. Like, I guess, like, this would have been when I was in high school? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe still in middle school. But, like, we're very much, we're, like, in the high school, like, middle school, where dating is a really big thing. And, like, everybody's, and it's, and, like, to see all your friends, like, having, like, dates and, like, significant others and everything, and for yourself to be, like, not entirely comfortable mm -hmm. and not have that experience, to see Ahsoka then be, like, I'm not gonna pursue that. Be, like, okay, cool. There's someone I can relate to. Exactly. And she also <laughs> steps back in that sense and also, mm -hmm. like, in the leadership sense. She's, like, she's teaching people 
and this is where she moves on from becoming from the student to kind of becoming like this kind of teacher and we see her do that with the kids that she's on too in the Ilum arc where mm -hmm. Hondo captures her and tries to sell her <laughs> um but we see that too like she steps into this leadership kind of position and she's good at it this is growth from when she tried to do that way back when and got a whole squad killed you know she definitely has grown a lot since mm -hmm. and on like i guess like a side note away from ahsoka i love the whole Andorod arc because it's almost like a prelude to the resistance yeah because here's this ragtag group of people yeah getting together and being like we will not be oppressed by this new group coming in mm -hmm. yeah it's extremely extremely mm -hmm. important megan did you have anything to say honestly <laughs> not really i i'm learning a lot from you guys again i my knowledge of clone wars is much more limited than you guys so <laughs> And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think besides, and then there was besides that, also the whole thing on um, Mortis as well. When she's in that, she's <laughs> not the central character in that arc, but she serves a very. Specific but she still purpose. is affected as everyone else. Exactly, she serves a very specific purpose in that arc, and she dies. Was put in that for a reason. Yeah, like. <laughs> that was traumatizing <laughs> to see and like how just how I, I don't want to say easily but yeah i guess how easily like a character as strong as her can just fall to the circumstances around that's like it really shows how vulnerable she can actually be and like because like up until this point she's been like this awesome character you know that's just like she she has her faults and everything, but like we've never been concerned that she can, you know, be gone, you know, die up until we see this and we're like, Yeah. Well what? but even though you know, even then she is saved by the light. Like mm -hmm. the daughter does bring her back, which if that's any indication that she belongs fighting for the light, then you know, that's it. Right. Um those two minutes were rough in between, like, that time that, like, her, even, like, to the point that the animators had her eyes rolled back. That was <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> um, it's like, <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. Especially, you know, like, a Y7 kid show to be like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're this main character that you've been growing up for, what, this is season, like, for three seasons in a movie now? Right. She's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's a really important moment where she gets captured, uh, when she gets captured by the sun. Mm -hmm. And she's in the castle. And that little weird little creature thing, just like walking around. I like him in a weird way. He's weird. He freaks me out. And I kind of like him. And he comes up to her and he unclips her chains and is just like, and she's like, oh, thank you or something. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. The chains are the easy part. It's what's up here. It's what's in your head. You know, that's that's tricky. And it really is just like a moment where you see that in that context. And then you see where Ahsoka goes from there. Just how pivotal that kind of is. And like the foreshadowing to me that I think it gives. Because it's like, it's all mental. It's all here. Like, 
your outside circumstances do not matter as much as what's going on in here. It's, it's this going on in your head that's going to get you through. And she goes through a lot after this. It's like, this is where, after the, this arc, because the Onderon arc is technically after this, but this is where her character journey really starts to change a lot. And she does learn that what's in your head is much more important than the physical and we really see her kind of transform, especially into that more kind of mental, kind of spiritual kind of state. Well, I also think that this, before now, it has all been about the war, the Republic, all of it. But then this is the episode that makes her journey bigger. It's exactly. about, you know, and, and I'm much better at talking about Ahsoka in the later things. But, you know, without knowing where she's going next, she has a bigger role in the force than I think she has allowed herself to think mm-hmm. and definitely than we've seen before. Right. And the fact if we that look at how you said that the, the light chose her, you know, and like resurrected her and brought her back is so important because again, it just shows how pivotal her mere existence is going to be. And as we, we see that later on. Well, and, and of the three of them, you know, Anakin falls, um right and then obi-wan just kind of stays neutral he just exists and then ahsoka continues to fight so mm-hmm. it's it, you know and look at just the three of them as those um it's a big part of their journeys to come right and i've always found it interesting how in the first episode of that arc where anakin is in the middle of that arena and the two creatures are on either side. The one has Ahsoka, one has Obi-Wan. And the creature on the dark side has Obi-Wan and the creature on the light side has Ahsoka. And I've always thought it was just so interesting how they had that parallel with like, it shows how it's like attachment is like, this is your, this is your student. Mm-hmm. And then this is your, this is your map. Yeah. yeah and it's like choose you know and this is where Anakin's choice comes in he's like I'm not gonna choose mm-hmm. and just like no <laughs> he's like and even like the ultimate ultimate rebel first of all and it's like ends up finding a way out of it and saving both of them these two characters who again their story continues through and it's like Again, I keep saying it, but it's so important going forward in the story. And the next one, the next arc is going to be painful because we are there already. <laughs> we are at the end. The bombing of the Jedi Temple. So <laughs> I've not watched this arc since it premiered. She refuses to that was, watch it. That was just really painful to me to watch. Like, I've not watched it since it premiered. Right. And this is where she's framed for bombing the Jedi Temple um, by Barra Sophie. And she ends up, even though being found out not guilty, mm-hmm. uh, leaves the Jedi Order anyway. Understandably. <laughs> understandably and to talk about like everything that she's gone through up until this point how she's had to grow up so quickly and make all these mature decisions 
for her to make that decision and to realize that this is not the best place for her to be anymore, to move on from pretty much everything she's ever known is extremely important. Well, and also we don't can't forget that in that whole debacle, um, Ahsoka partnered up with Ventress. And like I was saying about how they would be great master apprentice and how they're equal apprentices and two sides of that. Yeah. That's a big part of this because Ahsoka has, you know, has to resort her loyalties, but then Ventress is resorting her loyalties. So why not team up? Especially because, and I know Ahsoka is one of those people Ventress doesn't flirt with, <laughs> but they're just like really great, like, you know, companions. They, they complement each other well. And I know it's only a short partnership, but it's enough to keep Ahsoka alive a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do you want to share your feelings? <laughs> <laughs> just like, it's just, it's a lot of pain. Like one of the most painful moments for me was I guess the end of the second episode in that arc where she's running, like they had put her in, um, I got like prison, but more yeah. like just forgotten term for it because she wasn't quite in prison. Well, she went to go visit. <laughs> right. And the, then they yeah. kept her there and then she escaped. But one of my, one of the most painful moments for me was how the episode ended where she is on the opening end, I guess like almost like a sewer system mm-hmm. and Anakin's on the other and Anakin's like, come back. And Ahsoka's like, they don't believe me. And I don't know if you believe me. And he's like, you know, he's like trying to convince her. He's like, mm-hmm. I do, you know, we'll figure it out. And she's like, no, I will figure it out. Mm-hmm. And she makes her own way in that. There's been up to a point she's relied on people so much, you know, throughout these last few ones. She has become independent though. And it shows just where like, yes, it's important to rely on other people, but yes, it's also important to stand on your own two feet. And unfortunately, in this episode's arc, she is made to, you know, stand on her own two feet in this really hard time <laughs> that she's in where these people that she's grown up with all her life don't believe her. Yeah, it's just like, <clears throat> especially since it's from her perspective, because I think this episode arc would have been very different if, say, like, Anakin was the main point of it. I don't um, think it'd be that much different if it was Anakin. It would definitely be different if it was Obi-Wan. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I just like to see like Ahsoka, who's grown up only with the Jedi, only right. ever with the Jedi, right? Versus, I guess, like Anakin, who did have a life before the Jedi, even though, like, you know, how great a life it was. I mm-hmm. mean, wish me, yes, with um, slavery, no, yeah. Um, but just to see like Ahsoka suddenly see all these people that have known her for all her life, seen her grow up, and then suddenly turn on her because of one hologram footage that wasn't even like mm-hmm. accurate yeah i mean okay but i i have a hard time with this because i agree with barris the jedi are so messed up yeah. but also like i'm not about to bomb the temple right right know it yeah but like but the the fact that the jedi order had to fall and we know this and you know i love talking about this yeah but like Ahsoka did not have to be the collateral damage. Exactly. Because that was circumstantial. But, 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 can I play devil's advocate here? Um, as usual. Um, her 
being expelled from the Jedi Order is, in hindsight, a good thing for the galaxy. Yes. And we would not have Fulcrum, we would not have a rebellion, we would not have that, you know, her, her, her influence stretches so much farther because of this terrible, horrible, messed up thing that happened to her. Yeah. And so much of what Ahsoka is known for is, you know, still just surviving and making things work and continuing to fight. And if she hadn't have been expelled, she would have been dead just like everyone else in the halls of the Jedi Temple, like Yoda's vision. And then we would not have those things. So, yeah, it sucks. But all is as the Force wills it. And she is an agent of the Force. And that does not mean she has to be a Jedi. She says, I am no Jedi. (laughs) Right. But she is an agent of the Force. And she continues to use that to her advantage. Um, and And we see, again, talking about her when she gets, when she does come back and is being put on the private trial with the Jedi Order, um, how Anakin is is speaking to her and, you know, and he's just, like, telling her, he's like, you don't have to do this. He's like, it's like, it's not, like, you didn't do it. Like, you shouldn't have to answer, you know, for this. And she's like, yeah, I do. Like, you know, like, I I have to. And that whole horrible scene where she is I hate oh my god I hate the way the Jedi did that mm-hmm. to her the private the trial that they had with her um what else do they have to use that chamber for like why does that exist like okay first of all it reminds me of like you know when you go into like your your boss's office or something and their chair is like this high and you're just like down here because you're being meant to feel like really small like that's exactly intimidation how that's Mm -hmm. set up like they're like all made me think harry potter yeah Uh, the wizard gamut when they're all like carry on trial for things he didn't do that's what it felt like yeah and just like looking down at her and not really giving her the chance to speak or even defend herself Mm -hmm. like that whole scene I don't know if you remember but it's like it's yeah yeah. but it's almost like the betrayal well it is it really is that like while Barriss's betrayal is horrible and it hurts the Jedi's betrayal to Ahsoka is more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. heart-wrenching well and well I know that this this Mm -hmm thing was created in the space between two already existing things but watching this trial watching Anakin plead with Ahsoka makes his fall make that much more sense yeah exactly um because you know it it the end of the war isn't that much long after this Mm -hmm. so that Anakin we see killing Dooku um is like still freshly wounded from this Mm -hmm. And here he's trying to save Palpatine, his other attachment, mm. because he's already lost that. Mm-hmm. It's super messed up. Yeah, it really is. It's and as then, if like, Anakin was destined to fall or something. <laughs> right. Like, and like, the, where we'll see after this, like, okay, so chronologically, the next thing that we're, we currently see is her and Rebels. Um, well, season seven will come in at some point. 
Way like, the Ahsoka novel. But like, yeah, the Ahsoka mm-hmm. novel's there too. Um, we see that kind of, <laughs> we see her kind of transition uh, into, from Jedi to kind of, she doesn't know yet. But well, by, and she, she, she grows up. Yeah. She wasn't really given a space to grow up um, in the war because she was kind of just expect, like, okay, you're 14 years old, but go. <laughs> you're in yeah. charge. Yeah. Then, um, I mean, if we can talk about the novel for a minute, I can probably summarize it in, like, six sentences. Go for it. Um, <laughs> but, so this novel, if you haven't read it, it's by E.K. Johnston. Um, it's post-Order 66. Mm-hmm. So, Ahsoka has survived Order 66, and she spends a lot of time in this book reflecting on the fact that she cannot feel anyone else in the Force anymore. And how before before Order 66, she could still feel everyone else, even though she was removed from the Order. And she could still tell, like, oh, I can feel their presence. That's fine. But now she can't feel anyone. Right. And she's hiding because she doesn't want the Empire to find her, obviously. Um, and so she ends up on a backwater um, planet. She's going to just be a part of the town. She's going to fix things for money. She's going to make a living, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, the Empire shows up because it's a great town to grow plants on. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't exactly start a small uprising, but she starts a small uprising. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, um, you know, there are Inquisitors that she destroys. She takes the Inquisitors' crystals and turns them white. Mm-hmm. Um, like, all these things about her journey is just becoming a leader, becoming one with the Force, regardless of what order or whoever she answers to. Her crystals are white. They're unaffected. They're un- I mean, she takes red ones and literally, like, heals them mm-hmm. <laughs> to make them white, which is super badass. Um, and she grows up, and she makes friends with people, and she contributes to her society, but, like, at the end of the day, she is power that she cannot ignore. Exactly. And, and like, it's that I, idea, like, because, like, how the Empire just, like, ha- just so happens to find her there, like, that wasn't coincidence, you know, like, like you said, like, you know, mm-hmm. the Force, like, it all, all is as the Force goes. And, well, and at the end, she ends up, her. at the end, she ends up, like, you know, meeting up with Bail Organa and becoming, like, Bail Organa rescues her. It's like, mm-hmm. you're a Jedi. I remember you. And he's, she's yeah. like, I'm not, but not, not me, no. And, but then she becomes Fulcrum. Right. Um, which we know going into Rebels is a big part of them having intel and, you know, exactly. unity. Exactly. And she's like this mature, like, adult, like, you know, she's like 30 something years old and like during this time in Rebels. And she definitely extremely different from the first time that we see her mm-hmm. in Clone Wars is like she's an informant she is part of this rebellion she is mature older just different and she's she's an adult and she contributes so much to the rebellion and becomes like this key pivotal role but at the same time we see it pull back a little bit and we see her as a Jedi uh, or not a Jedi, a Force user, in Rebels, uh, especially concerning Ezra and Kanan, becomes kind of this, she's older than Kanan, so she's more of a kind of mentor to both of them in an, in an odd way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I think Kanan views her as, like, a, 
better version of what he wants to be. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, being being what the Jedi Order would call you to be is a level of, you know, I don't know what to call it. You know, something higher power, something that's absolute and correct. Right. But here's Ahsoka, who's more. (laughs) Exactly. And she's so cool in Rebels. Like, she is unaffected. She's seen enough in her life. She doesn't give a crap about what you have to say. She's just going to help when she wants, and she's going to save the day. And it's a little frustrating to watch as the viewer because she seems very passive Mm -hmm. and very much, you know, underwhelmed and underwhelming. But in reality, she's, you know, playing a big part. She just knows when to contribute, when not to. She's sure of herself. And she really reminds me of Alea Sakura in particular. Like, of just how, like, because I, I see her as, like, that kind of parallel to that episode, especially as they move on and we see more of how they're, how mature, I guess, she's become, especially when we get all the way, you know, to the end where she comes back in the world between worlds. And she's telling Ezra that she has, that he has to let go of his master. That was a lesson that she had to learn as well. And it's hard seeing that transition kind of thing go on because it's like she's become more of like the serene kind of force user, more sure of herself, kind of like the wise old wizard, you know, by the end of it. And is like older, wiser, and is now, you know, passing on what she's learned and that's what she does in rebels i would disagree with you not disagree with you but she reminds me more of qui-gon um and if you because more if you just think of qui-gon as being the least jedi a jedi can be because he doesn't want to be a jedi (laughs) like ahsoka has that same level of unattachment to the order um but to a lot of things but also she's wise and she kind of does whatever she wants I don't know. I get the same kind of, like, positive chaos that I got from Qui-Gon. Well, no, I see that. I meant, like, in terms of, like... No, I know. Yeah, the whole Master and Apprentice thing. But, yeah. um, yeah. And especially when we see her face off again in Twilight of the Apprentice with Anakin. <laughs> like, Type of things that messed me up. <laughs> yeah. That was so intense. And, like, that moment of realization especially like, you know, when the mask came off and she saw that it was him. Cause like up until that point, she was just like, I'm going to defeat you. You know, like Anakin Skywalker is weak. I killed him. Then I'll avenge yeah. his death. You know, she was like, she was going to you know kill him, you know, be done with it, kill the bad guy. And then she finds out, wait, Anakin, like I was right. My feelings, my worst fears have been confirmed. <laughs> this is him. And she's like, I won't leave you. Not this time. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> then you will die that was like the nail in the coffin i'm like oh my gosh i i and i don't understand a lot of it's just retconning but a lot of things like the the empire era people not know each other are there like how does how is obi-wan not figured out that ahsoka's alive yet but oh yeah just the level of denial involved in this is just Uh like you know here's this person who killed my master and she, even if, even if she could sense it was him, she would never let herself sense it was him because she, she thought she knew who he was. Yeah. And if she had any indication like, oh no, look, he's eating 
Anakin's favorite snack, I wonder. Or like, oh no, look, he kind of walks like Anakin did. That would have been different. But there's none of that. It's just straight to this is the thing that it appears to be. And then that's why it hurt that much. I mean, and we all know he's Anakin. We know he's Anakin and it still hurt for us. So imagine how it would feel to be Ahsoka. Exactly. Exactly. And when that ends, we, she would rather, you know, die than, and save her friends than have to kill her master Mm -hmm. like that pretty much. Cause she doesn't. And at the end, when she, when Ezra pulls her out of the world between worlds, she tells him, you know, you couldn't save your master and I couldn't save mine. And it's just, it has to be left like that. And that's like a stepping stone that Ezra now takes into becoming a force user and like learning to leave, let go of what he has to and move on toward the future. As best. I hope all these rumors about a Rebels sequel are true. Wait, what? what? There are rumors about that? <laughs> you haven't seen the rumors? There have been like four different ones going around. No. There's apparently a winter 2020 sequel series on plus i don't i don't i don't i'm not listening to anything until it's actually confirmed i gotta find that but but like i want i want to see ezra mature in the same way ahsoka matured because ahsoka at her beginning at her 14 year old self was just as chaotic and unpredictable and juvenile as Ezra was at the beginning. I mean, granted, she didn't have a slingshot, but if she had, she would have used it. Right. Um, but we, we, there's so much... I mean, granted, if Ezra and Thrawn are just chilling on the back of a hurgle <laughs> for the rest of eternity, that's fine, but there's so much opportunity to see Ezra, you know, grow into something bigger with Ahsoka's guidance. Right. And especially in the uh and oh go ahead i no, just they both lost their masters that's that's Mm -hmm. and then the epilogue where she comes back as ahsoka the white like you know (laughs) hello merlin (laughs) you know gandalf coming back like next very much very much the the um the archetypal wizard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if for a religion no one follows anymore its followers are dwindling and she's the one who's achieved that level of mastery like yeah that's that's some hardcore Dumbledore stuff there oh yeah and coming presumably she's the one that goes off with Sabine to go find Ezra um did you guys find this (laughs) find the we'll see oh the thing for the rumors thing it froze. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm it having froze. some tech problems today. Huh. Interesting. Um, that the storyline would be Ahsoka and Sabine. Go and look for um, Ezra. Interesting. Is that what you read? Yeah. Yeah. YouTube channel First Order Transmissions reports that the follow-up series in an active development is an active development and is set to arrive on Disney Plus as soon as fall 2020. I haven't heard this at all. The Rebels sequel. I read someone else reported it too. Yeah. Yeah. First Order Transmissions. It's a YouTube channel. I guess they're the ones that did it. 
Dev Filoni is said to be involved as well, but it's apparently doubtful that he'll be as hands-on as he was with the previous animated shows. Please, I don't believe that for a second. But <laughs> Not hands-on. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. Ezra Bridger is his child, okay? Ahsoka is also his child. And Rex. Yeah, like, there's, there's no way. <laughs> so if that's a thing, y'all know how happy I'll be. Oh, yeah. What happened to Megan? <laughs> 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 exploded. Um, but, yeah. I think that's it. I mean, can, uh, earlier Nettie tweeted on uh, Women OT Wills, um, why did you become so attached to Ahsoka? What makes her important to you? We want to know. And is it okay if I read a couple of them? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention the people because we didn't actually ask if we can mention the people, but um, one listener said, I think it's because we see her paddle on journey. It's like we went through it with her. And then our own Tammy said, I feel like I watched her grow up. She's like my own child. Mm-hmm. Um, perseverance. I connected with Ahsoka because of this. My love for her was only strengthened when I found out Ashley Eckstein voiced the character. Oh, we didn't talk about Ashley. You want to talk about that real quick? Sure. Um, so as you may obviously know, because we've mentioned it, um, Ahsoka is voiced by none other than Ashley Eckstein, who um, was essentially a huge fan of um, Disney, of Star Wars, of all of it, and came upon this project um, and was given the chance to create this character. and. First of all, I think she's one of the luckiest performers in the Star Wars universe because she was given that kind of blank slate opportunity. Yeah. Um, but through her platform as a voice actor and as a part of the um, actual cast, she has um, essentially created an empire of stuff for female fans. Um, she created the her universe brand um and i don't know about you guys but i bought my first her universe shirt probably 15 years ago well not that long ago it was must have been 13 so a while ago <laughs> um at disneyland it was the the red padme shirt they just re-released i was that was they my did first re-release that yeah hang on <laughs> <laughs> it goes fan somebody oh yeah we keep okay like pretty sure that means they keep her universe in business <laughs> oh I, mean, I, just, I before we started recording i was telling them like if yeah. i look in my closet so sarah's half of the closet we have like the ahsoka jacket we have the rex jacket we have the ahsoka windbreaker sarah wore one of the ahsoka sweatshirts to work today my side has the anakin hoodie it has all the we have oh my god we have so much her universe i have the padme and the boo skirt and sweater yeah. set and like it's so bad. I'm pretty sure we also, I mean, but but like we can't really complain because before her, we didn't have this material. We didn't have this fashion. We didn't have this outlet. And exactly. um, and and Ashley's a big advocate for um, you know, self-expression and positivity. And mm-hmm. um, she does a lot on social media. She does a lot of um, now her collection has expanded to other uh other pop culture fandoms like Disney and Harry Potter and Studio Ghibli and all that. Um, she has a book you guys should probably read if you have a moment. It's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. It's called um, My Universe, I think. Yeah. And then, um, 
but yeah, so she's but she's one of those people who is a part of she is Star Wars, and then, but she's also making Star Wars accessible to us mm-hmm. um, because you know, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, we all. I mean, I definitely wore boys T-shirts until I bought that Padme T-shirt for women. Like, right? Like it always infuriated me, like going to like other stores looking for like fandom clothes, and they'd always be in like the boys section, but you can never find them. Like even for like, even if I wanted like a Harley Quinn shirt, I couldn't find that in the girls section. Right. I couldn't find it in the boys section. Um. So going back to like first things I bought from like her universe, my first thing was a Black Widow T-shirt around 2014 because I had just seen Winter Soldier, um, and that was one of the few places that sold Black Widow merchandise. That's awesome. I think my first thing was the um, Ahsoka De Filoni sketch that he he did mm-hmm. that I bought on there. I and yeah, I mean, I I gotta say the only time I ever felt like you know a cool kid was when I was wearing a boy's t-shirt and I saw another guy wearing the same t-shirt and I did like the really creepy stare like uh-huh what you gotta say about it <laughs> but you know but having Padme on a shirt when my only Padme things before that were the costume when I was three <laughs> yeah um it was a big deal and you know we, we always joke about throwing all our money at her universe but like I throw all my money at her, her universe and like even when they do they do a lot of collaborations with Shop Disney and with the parks yeah. it's like I can't go anywhere without seeing people wearing it, buying it. When I when I'm at work on the daily, I see guests wearing everything you can imagine. I mean, I have the Hera sweatshirt; I wear it all the time. Mm-hmm. I see people wearing that Hera sweatshirt when I think I'm the only one on the planet who would buy it. I see people wear it, and I'm like, "I love your Hera sweatshirt." And they're like, "Huh? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Sabine motorcycle jacket, all of it." I, it's it's a cool thing and that all came from ahsoka so mm-hmm. we talk about what the character did for the galaxy and you know what for the story and for canon but also for um star wars and fans um uh, this kind of leads into here's another quote uh she's the embodiment of the best qualities that humanity has to offer undying loyalty to her friends and to keeping the innocent and defenseless safe a strong belief in equality between everyone no matter who they are and an incredible passion toward what she sets her mind to um ahsoka was the first jedi that i saw that started to question what it meant to be a jedi questioned who they were she did this without disrespecting them she was the first jedi who took the first steps towards creating her own destiny she is everything um yeah there are a lot of them i recommend you guys check out that thread oh yeah Thank you. But, Thank you guys for responding. Yeah, we love hearing love hearing from you guys. Oh, I like this one. Easy. She was the first female I saw wield a lightsaber. Yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one. Yeah, because I think it was Clone Wars that got me into Star Wars. Because um, I don't think I would have been as much into Star Wars as I would have been without Clone Wars and without Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was a big part of, like, a lot of us. And, like, also the first Star Wars that a lot of us saw was mm-hmm. kids, because it was a kid show. Yeah. You know, even though there was, like, some definitely fun kid things in that show. Right. Like, you know, it was, it, it was a kid show, and it was, like, the introduction that a lot of us had to Star Wars. And it was, like, even now, it still is for a lot of kids. Like, that was, like, the first thing that actually my brother ever saw that was Star Wars. And he's well, like, a lot younger than me. So it's, like, <laughs> a lot of us... This, the, these shows, especially that one, 
has such a legacy behind it and it's just such an important stepping stone for a lot of people into the world i say this a lot about about a lot of things but i want to watch clone wars with lincoln i feel like that'd be so much fun (laughs) (laughs) in case you guys didn't know this about me i feel like i would be best friends with nettie's little brother um so i'm always a little jealous that i don't get to watch things with him you should have Um, seen him uh, during the arc where uh hondo takes ahsoka and uh tries to sell her you should have seen that. <laughs> he was I, so angry. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I did it wrong in that I didn't go straight to Clone Wars when it started. Um, I don't remember what it was. I think in the beginning, I didn't like the animation style, and I'm very opinionated, so I have a hard time getting into things I think I won't like. So that was part of it when I was, you know, a teenager. And then I didn't really, like, have friends who watched it or anything, so I didn't really get into it and so my world was still just the prequels and I mean I was still obsessed with the prequels um but once I did get around to Clone Wars it like I was like oh this is what I should have been paying attention to all this time and I definitely don't have a strong connection to Clone Wars like everyone seems to right now but I'm working on fixing it I'm, I'm rewatching. I swear I don't remember anything <laughs> but I'm rewatching it I just got really lucky to be in a place in the right time to like actually be watching Clone Wars as it came out because that would be that would be what my sister and I would do every Saturday morning well every Friday night and then every Saturday morning um because it got switched um to be seeing these episodes as it came out I remember being like Oh, just like so impatient when they would do their mid-winter break and they would go for like, like just maybe like two weeks, but just, you know, at like 10, you're like, that's too long. <laughs> well, and I, I was definitely, I was in eighth grade when it started. Um, when eighth grade was rough for me, man. Like I was so insecure and so like unsure in what I was allowed to like and what I wasn't allowed to like. So I definitely didn't started then and then high school was just a nightmare i did not start in high school so i might have just been that awkward like a little bit too old to actually like have the right time to start it which you know middle school wasn't fun for anyone so right (laughs) it was like it was like really interesting time-wise when it was coming out in terms of like what other fandoms were going on because you have like the tail end of what's coming to be the end of harry potter we thought um (laughs) (laughs) famous last words (laughs) the like rise of a bunch of YA dystopians that are coming up the yeah, rise- that was like peak hunger games breaking yeah. down yeah um, um i was not in it at the time but like the rise of marvel like the very very early stages of marvel oh i was yeah <laughs> i was um, in both of those yeah and then star wars the clone wars yep i think i think it felt in a time when I was trying so hard to be an adult, I think Clone Wars felt juvenile. And I think I was able to tell myself that that was not what I wanted to associate myself with as I was going to go off and be a big person. As I, then I went and became the president of the Harry Potter club. So who knows what I was really thinking. <laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I'm just trying to think of like where I was at that age. But like Clone Wars was really important to me because it was always like, there and it was something that like I could rely on 
to be there as a kid. Just like when I did, like, you know, if I can get through the week, Friday night, I can watch Clone Wars. That's awesome. Like, that's, that's so great that this is, that's it. That's, I'm so happy for you guys who had that. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool how it's different, you know, for all of us and how important. Right. And like what makes it so special is that it's one of those very few shows that like can survive the different times so that like people can come back to it again. They can mm-hmm. start it again, whether it's in season, whether it's been gone. <laughs> um, and just really connect with it. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Because you don't always have that from TV shows. You don't always get that. Um, right. Like rewatchability? Not all of them. Right. <laughs> Not all of them. Uh, uh, yep, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm flipping through the Ahsoka novel again. I forgot that there are these little, like, in, in between inserts from the points of view of other people. Yeah. Like Anakin and Obi-Wan. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the audiobook of this is narrated by Ashley. It is? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. The, the audiobook is narrated by Ashley. And it's weird because it's not, it's a third person, but it's like, but she's saying it. So. Right. But That's it's funny. pretty cool because it's Ahsoka. Cool. All right. Um, I think we're done. <laughs> um, can we talk about one more thing? Oh, boy. Yeah. What is it? No, just a quick analysis of all the Ahsoka merch that we can get right now oh. and what's to come. I mean, just just basically, like, her universe has a lot of stuff. There's a jacket, a scarf, a dress, a windbreaker, whatever. You can buy <laughs> her lightsabers at Galaxy's Edge in both resorts, both at Disney World and Disneyland. You can buy her lightsabers and the blades and different colored crystals if you want to have white, green, or blue, whatever you want. Um, that's a big deal. Um, and, you know, hopefully going into Clone Wars, we'll have, like, in Season 7, yeah. maybe there'll be more merch. Who knows? We're, we've got a weird, like, we- eerie silence on merch for 9, but that doesn't mean there can't be Clone Wars merch coming. Yeah, we'll see how that, how that works. But um, the I Just Want Lego Sets... Um, so, so, so kids now can have, you know, think about little baby Lego Ahsoka battling little baby Lego Maul in Mandalore with like. Lincoln is really hoping for that. Of course he is. Yeah. We'd be best friends. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity for a new Ahsoka stuff. Like, can you imagine walking into Target and seeing a girl's shirt with Ahsoka on it? That's my dream. I want it. Like, I, I mean. That would be like, granted, fifteen years too late, but dreams come true. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah. I just remember like flashing back to when I was like when my grandmother took me to five to, like three different Toys R Us in like Asheville, North Carolina. Um, how hard it was to find any girl action figures. Mm-hmm. But now we've gotten to a point. And we're still working on it. Like, we're still very far from, like, where we need to be. But, like, mm-hmm. getting to a point where I can go on a Target and there's action figures of Rey. And there's action figures of Leia. And, like, even, like, Padme mm-hmm. and, like, Admiral Holdo. Like, that middle shelf behind me is my Padme shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I have, like, 20 Padmes on there. Awesome. But I just think it's great now that for 
fans everywhere. We're getting to a point where like girls can go into the store and be like, that's the character that I look up to and don't have to have the same experience that like we have had in the past, like sorting through all of these shelves looking for just like one right. girl character. And like speaking as a woman who has like, you know, really young brother, it's not just the girls who are also going to benefit from this too. Oh yeah. His mm, favorite yeah. character is Ahsoka. And then after that, it's right. And it's like, I love your brother. He's got these action figures now. And it's like, it, he only has the Rebels Ahsoka action figure. And he's just like, I need clothes, but I can't find it for a good price. Well, I don't have, I'm, I mean, we were looking at the Disney store toy box. They just made Maul. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll make Clone Wars Anakin or, you know, I'm just imagining all the things, you know, when you walk into Target and you see the newest franchise, whatever, like all the apparel they have, I want a hoodie that's Ahsoka's, but you zip it up and it has her Montreal's, like, that'd be the coolest. Like, yeah. you should let me work for New Target because I will make you money. But um, I don't know. I just, I think it's a great positive thing, not about us having more story, obviously, but just what we can throw money at. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, we will. You know we will. Yeah. And we will. Um, is that it for real this time? Probably not, but sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess I think we're gonna close it off here. Um, that was a really fun discussion. Thank you both so much for. Thanks, Claire, for coming. Yeah, thanks y'all for having me. Yeah. Fun. And. We will be back next week with another episode, again, focused on Clone Wars, because it's the hype and lead-up to February 21st. So, we're excited, and we hope you guys are too. And we'll be back next week. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Nettie. You can find me online at Nettie underscore Nerf Herder. Um, Megan at Meg Meg Pen Pen. Um, you can also find us at Women OT Wills. And... Claire, do you want to plug your Instagram? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, and it's Artemisia1614. Yep. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Rate and review. And have an awesome week. May the force be with you all. Bye. Yay, bye.